Welcome to Connected with Emily Obey. I'm your host. This is a podcast dedicated to having conversations that matter to help us feel connected to ourselves, to each other, and to the world we live in. You'll most likely never find me on a volleyball court because I was once kicked out of a grade nine gym class for being so bad at it, the teacher thought I was fully messing with him. You will, however, find me writing books, coaching people on how to have a successful online business through effective content marketing and copywriting, and helping people heal from adversity to live lives that truly feel good and make an impact in our society. Stick around, because I ask the questions we're all wanting to know the answers to. everyone. Welcome to another episode of Connected with Emily Obey. Today we have this phenomenal man on the podcast with us. His name is Nick Clement. He is a business coach and we are going to dive into topics such as workaholism, um, addiction as a whole. Um, we're going to be answering a ton of questions that you guys had for Nick in terms of work-life balance. We'll get to know him a little bit more and hopefully get into conversations that as you know, matter, help you feel more connected to you, to each other, and to the world that we're living in. So Nick, welcome to the podcast. How are you? I'm good. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Um, this is, uh, is going to be gonna be a good conversation. I know we can touch base a little bit here prior to, uh, prior to hitting the, the old record button, but I'm, I'm pretty stoked and I'm feeling really good. So yeah, cool. thanks for joining. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. I think you have a really interesting story. Uh, you've had a really cool path in your life that not many people take. And I want to get into your brain a little bit and share that with the world in case it resonates with people. And honestly, for the purpose of inspiring other people at some point or another throughout this next hour together. So the first question I ask on the podcast is because it's called Connected. We're all about finding connection. When is the last time that you felt super connected to someone or something in a way that moved you? That's a really, uh, really good topic. Um, I, and I've actually been, I've been telling a lot of people about this experience specifically uh, for the past few weeks. So um, in the, in the past, like, I would say six months or so I've, I've done a, and as you would have known from our previous conversations and known each other for a, for a little while here, I'm like, I, I have a tendency to neglect my, my personal health quite a bit. Um, and that's been a big focus of my life and just really realigning that and, uh, and getting in tune with, with this concept of like being like fit for service. So just actually, um, I was, I was outside and I do all of my workouts outside, um, barefoot, like no shirt on if the weather's permitting and uh, just like really trying to connect with nature in that sense. And, uh, that would have, would have been like the, the last moment I felt like super connected. It was a very, very nice day, sun shining. Um, I have my, my meditation music in while I'm working out, which may be an odd choice, but it was uh, post-workout, like definitely a full flow state for me. And, um, just like, doing my, my post-workout meditation, walking around the yard and, and kind of just feeling the, the, the air and, and the trees and the grass like around me. And that was, uh, that was incredibly impactful. It was uh, a sense of pure peace that I've only felt a few times before. Um, and it, it just kind of resonated. It was like an afterglow for like a couple days after that too. So, uh, 
uh, it was a really, really interesting experience. I think that would be the last time I felt really deep connection. It wouldn't have been with anyone else. It would have been just with myself and, uh, and with the actions that were, were taking place in that time in that, in that present moment. That's cool. It also sounds like there was some kind of connection to nature there for you too. A hundred percent. Yeah. Like I, I've always had like a bit of a, I, I'll use this word loosely, but a bit of a, a hippie trend in my in my past and in my interests as well. So I, I definitely think there's a big connection with nature there. I've I've always liked being outside, and that was uh, it was just yeah, it was a really cool moment. Yeah, that's awesome. So um, you're bringing up something that I want to dive right into, which is how <laughs> you neglect your physical health. <laughs> oh. And um, Nick and I know each other because we were briefly seeing each other over this past winter. And uh, we had some mutual friends at the time who got us together and we went on a first date. And I think we talked for like, I don't know, five or six hours straight, right? Yep, that's about right. <laughs> yeah. So um, we, I feel like we really intellectually um, – met each other that's my perspective i don't know yours but that was a really positive experience for me yeah absolutely yeah that was uh that was probably one of the more engaging conversations i would have had in that time period i don't think we really missed any topics <laughs> that, no. uh, that journey so that was uh that was definitely intellectually engaging was is a good word to put on yeah. that one so we spent some time kind of overlapping um in each other's lives and something that I noticed about Nick that I was like, I'm not sure about this was his tendency to just drink Red Bull as meals. <laughs> <Holy crap>. <laughs> <laughs> and I was super judgmental about it, but I remember telling you about this and you were so, um, I don't know. You were so like, I and TJ about it. You're like, you know what? I could shift this if it's for the greater whole. <laughs> Um, but Nick and I's conversations were so profound for me, um, in the time that we were seeing each other because, um, his take on addiction, like shed some light on something that I was just carrying throughout my entire life. So you said something along the lines of, um, can you actually say it yourself? Cause it'll be more profound. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> So my, and this, this kind of roots back to a, a few studies um, that, that I have explored into. So by no means is this my, my original works by any means, but, um, but my, my opinion on, on addiction is that it is, it is 100% um, like correlated, but maybe not causationally wise, but correlated to uh, the amount of connection you have in your life or the amount of connection that you are feeling. So, for example, if if you are missing a, a main component, whether that be like interpersonal connection or even environmental connection with where you sleep or whatever is going on in your life, if if you're lacking that that spot of of your personality, you're going to try and fill it with something else, um, and that can come in many forms, right? It can come in substance abuse. It can come through workaholism. It can come through just poor habits or yeah, drinking Red Bull, <laughs> whatever it may be, right? It can be all these like nuanced things for even another example. Um, one that's a big one for me, um, just like biting my nails. Like I've always, mm. and I haven't, I've, I've been able to shake the habit. Um, 
periodically, but it's always came back. And I'm, I'm just like very much still digging to be like, Hey, what's this missing piece? Where's this like lack of connection that I'm feeling in my life to solve that? Um, and I can speak on that a little bit later. That's, that's helped with it. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that's, that's sort of my take on, on addiction and, and how to, to counteract it. Yeah. And, and for me hearing this for the first time, I was like, holy shit. Like it just made so much sense because at that point I must've been what, like about eight or nine months off of Benzo at that point, I guess around that time period. And, um, you know, whenever I was lacking connection, whether that was with myself or like you said, like environment or an interpersonal relationship, um, like feeding um, my needs in a way that was like really fulfilling for me, I just really wanted a benzo. Um, and when you said that, I was like, oh my God, I get it. Like I get it. I get why I turn to the substance um, in such a clearer way now because it's, it kind of numbs the pain of not having connection. Um, so that was just, you said it so casually too. And I was just like, oh my God, you just changed my life. Yeah. So um, from that standpoint, um, I would love for you to share um, a little bit more of the journey of how you've kind of reconciled um, making sure that you're getting the connection that just humanly you need so that you're not, relying on substances or whatever the vice is, whether that's um, biting the nails, et cetera. Yeah, for sure. That's uh, that kind of comes back to this point of being fit for service and, and really what, especially with the individuals that I work with um, and even myself, as you, you may have seen before, it's like those personal habits of mine. um, They're not, they're not very beneficial to having a a very well-rounded um, and healthy life. So I, I specifically look at that in the sense of like working with all the, the other business owners that I coach and they're all incredibly intelligent individuals, but everyone has their demons, everyone has their challenges and everyone has these, these missing pieces in their life. And when you, when you're not fit for service, like if you, if you're not moving correctly, you're not eating correctly, like you're going to be in a really hard spot to start to identify some of the things that are that are in the heart and up in the soul as well. Right. Mm. Um, and I, I kind of speak through like this, like once you, once you've really calibrated the, the health piece of your daily habits, how are you sleeping? Are you drinking enough water? Are you eating correctly? Like is like, what are these habits that work properly for your body? Once you feel good physically, it's a lot easier to work on these like deeper level components of the, the heart and the soul. And if, if you're constantly in flux with, yeah, like I'm going to wake up in the morning and then I'm going to drink a black coffee that's going to trigger a fight or flight response and just pump my bloodstream full of cortisol. And then I try to like meditate and think about some of these hard things in my life. I'm probably not in the best space to be doing that. Right. Worst thing, like I drink like maybe two Red Bulls a day. Right. Um, And just for clarity, like those habits have very much changed. So I would be a total hypocrite if I was still continuing those habits, but uh, that's been a huge thing for me. Like focusing on the the actual physical health of the body, mm-hmm. uh, and really, really locking that down. Because at the worst case scenario, even if I have a bad day and I didn't, I didn't really get through everything that I wanted to get through, or or I, I didn't find the answers that I want to find in in whatever method, or I am struggling with some piece of connection. 
I know that I'm still physically healthy and, and I've done a lot of self work on that to, to maintain that, that person who I am. Um, and that's just a good foundation to, to rest on. Right? That's so funny. Cause I take notes when people talk and I literally just like drew this whole foundation looking thing. And then I wrote foundation, <laughs> physical <laughs> health. So, okay. So for you, the way to kind of unwind any addictive, unproductive habits that you had going on in your life was to build this foundation of making sure that your physical health was taken care of so that you could tackle the other things that work demands and that life demands is what I'm hearing, right? Yeah, that's, that's very correct. Like I, I look at, yeah, it's, it's like, a, like a pyramid, like a foundation. And it doesn't have to be that way for certain people, but you can do it through maybe an intellectual foundation, right? If you if you do have certain challenges um, in, in maintaining physical health, like everyone's different, um, but that, that can be another, another pivot point, but it's finding like one sphere of your life that you can really, really do the work on and mm-hmm. put time into it to lock it down. It's like, yeah, that's my shit. Right. And I- even if, even if people have like physical challenges in terms of their health, mm-hmm. I, I can speak from experience because of having chronic illness issues. Um, you can still build a foundation and just, you know, what I do might be a little bit different than what Nick does. Right. It's just, um, for each person, the needs and the physical requirements will be different based on what's going on for them. Mm -hmm. But I think, um, what you're saying also, if, if it's a little bit harder to keep a physical health, that's like optimal hundred percent, you can build a foundation on something else. Yeah. Seems like intellectual or spiritual life or something like that, that would keep you grounded. 100%. Yeah. That's exactly what I meant by that. Cool. Yeah. So, um, so tell me, so, t- so tell me, and for the sake of catching up how you ditched your Red Bull habit, did you just decide one day I'm going to stop this or was it a gradual thing? And um, yeah, give us some insight on your journey in the past couple months to, um, having this work-life balance that you feel like you're mastering now. Yeah, that's, uh, it's, it's interesting. I, I'm trying to like zoom back in time here just to, to identify like that, that key point where I kind of ditched that habit. But I guess it, it kind of comes back to like a point of um, if you practice something, if you practice like a different type of, of action or a different type of personality, so to speak, like say if, if you go out every day and you kick a soccer ball around at some point in that timeline, you'll eventually like identify yourself as a soccer player. Right. So I go out each day and I start practicing things like, Hey, I want to be a healthy fit individual. Right. And by no means am I, would I peg myself as a fit individual, but that is as a goal of mine, but being, being very like health oriented and, and focused on that. If I do that every day, at some point it just switches over. But I think the big thing out of that would have been just making me like really the, the call on it of saying like, all right, like if I'm going to lead a team of, yeah, anywhere from 19 to 22 people, they're all running their own businesses and I'm not fit for service in my end. I'm a hypocrite. If I tell them like what they should be doing and how they should be running their lives, if I can barely run mine. Mm. Um, and I, I was always a, falling into these traps of burnout and just like adrenal fatigue and, and poor eating habits. And it's like, ah, okay. Like these things all play a factor into my actual performance as a business coach. 
And in order for me to be the best possible person for my team, I need to change these things about myself. So it was a, it was a pretty cold cut thing. And that's something that I've worked on for a while, just developing that discipline where I can just cut things out like that if needed. Um, if I can make that, that like causation uh, draw towards it playing a negative impact. So that would have been a big thing. It was a, it was a, uh, a actual intentional decision just to stop. And I really like the actual tangible um, tactic was drink water in the morning. Like mm. I, every morning I wake up and drink a liter of water with about two grams of like Himalayan sea salt in it just to replenish my electrolytes and my caffeine intake, like cut by 10 times. It was mental. Interesting. So I actually, yeah, I haven't, I haven't had like a cup of coffee in like three days because of that, and I'm a, I love coffee by the way, but I just don't need it. So yeah. Um, yeah, just to stay hydrated. It's like those simple things that we forget, like how to maintain the body. It's like if you mm-hmm. a pound of water while you sleep, you should, you're probably thirsty in the morning. Okay. Is that a real thing? Yeah. Yeah. Really? The pound of water while they sleep. Do you have scientific studies? There are. Now it's going to be hard <laughs> to link those to you via a verbal. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we can put it in the show notes because that's a really interesting yeah, read a little note about that. If, uh, yeah, if that's looking into that stuff. I would look into some stuff around Aubrey Marcus and um, his uh, his stuff around like, owning your your physical day. So um, right. that would that would be some stuff you could look into. Cool. So okay, yeah. Um, I I'm forgetting like why I was so why I was so taken aback that you would drink. Red Bull. I think it's because I was just like breaking up with my own addictions and you drinking so much caffeine and not taking care of yourself um, in a way that like my judgmental brain thought you should <laughs> like really, really triggered me into like, oh my God, if I'm with this person, am I going to start drinking Red Bull all of the time? Um, and also like to, because this is, this podcast is about sharing from the heart. Um, I also was just looking for ways to make sure that um, I wasn't going to develop like further intense feelings for you because I was still very much um, attached to my ex and attached to making our relationship work. So I would just kind of look for ways to make Nick wrong here. Um, But Red Bull was one of them. So in case you're listening and being like, oh, Emily is such a judgmental piece of shit. um, That was my reasoning. Um, But nevertheless, um, I found it really interesting, the conversation we had around um, moving away from not taking care of yourself into taking care of yourself physically. And I forget if I told you um, that it was going to affect your business in some way or another. Oh yeah. You definitely, you definitely laid into that. And that was, that was <laughs> things that like, I really appreciated that feedback. And I, I, I think it was an impacting player, um, into making some of these changes, right. Cause it would have been almost a year, um, around like, I guess it was 10 months ago that we, we would have had that conversation. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, but that being said, it's like those, those sort of little seeds that are planted in the brain right as they as they start to grow and it's like ah you know what yeah emily did say that yeah i should probably do this and and make this change right so um that was uh was probably an impacting factor for sure so i appreciate that yeah that was cool i feel like we both gave each other feedback um that was helpful because i i remember um you gave me some feedback on like, you know, you should probably like prep a little bit more for your client calls. And I remember being like, nah, like I'm good. (laughs) And, um, I don't know. You just made me, 
take my work um, more seriously because I was in a bit of a slump there where um, I just kind of was coasting. And um, that was really helpful for me um, to hear. And I, I also enjoyed how you challenged me, that you didn't kind of just let me be, you know, whatever kind of way I wanted to be that you gave feedback. So, I mean, that was kind of your business coach coming out, I'm sure. And we can kind of take that from there. So tell us a little bit about um, what you do in terms of your actual day-to-day work and how that kind of fuels your purpose in the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So my, my role is I oversee a team of franchise owners and I, I work with, them on skill development in the actual business sense and then also just like working through some of the challenges and problems that they have in their business yeah every individual is different and they're they're not going to know the answers some of these um some of these individuals i'm working with are as young as 19 years old running their first business so um they they got a lot of stuff on their plate and and as does anyone else um so i i'm sort of the in one one component i am the guidance person for for these these individuals i teach them what uh what they should be doing what would be the best plan work with them on business plans and and help them hit um hit their goals by holding them accountable to that i also work on training and development for some of the um some of the other components for say for example leadership sessions or problem solving sessions we we did a really cool one last winter around uh, emotional intelligence and the ego for some of our more senior individuals as well so um, I work on on content development for that. And my third component would be I am the oh shit guy. So when everything goes out the window for someone and all shit hits the fan, um, generally I get the phone calls from uh, from the individuals that are looking for, for solutions to a pretty big problem. So I, I sometimes am a firefighter as well and put out fires. Mm. So. I like that description. The oh shit person. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, it's fun. It's it's good, and that it, it's one piece where I there's no part of my job that I don't like. But when it comes down to like the the personal fulfillment component of it, it's really like watching when I really start working with an individual, and we actually just had our our award ceremony we do for all our franchise owners. Um, this I believe this this past weekend it was. It's all times going into a blur. I've been very busy lately, but. Uh, but yeah, this, uh, this past weekend and that's, uh, that was like the, the end cap. So when I see that first conversation that I have with someone and they, they have no real clue what they're about to get into and what they're about to go through. And then they accept their award at the very end of the year. And, and that kind of like shifting moment, um, is really like the point where I lock down. I'm like, yep, yeah, like, I know even if they don't say thanks for anything in that, in that moment towards myself. And sometimes I honestly prefer that because that means they, they really internalized their, their growth and they knew they did it themselves as well. So they're empowered. They're good. Um, that, that I did my job properly. And that, that really fills me up because I know that person will never be the same. Mm. And as you're, as I'm hearing you talk, I'm almost, my question for you is like, so what do you think your purpose is if you were to like elevate or pitch it? Like, you know, what's, what's your purpose in the world? My, uh, my, my main purpose, I like helping people. This is, this is, it's kind of, it's interesting. I've, I've been working on this new, new development of this. Um, cause I actually transparently, I'm not much of a business coach. Mm-hmm. I, 
I work on on a lot of stuff. Like I, I can teach someone business skills, generally speaking, but I'm not an executive coach. Like mm-hmm. I, I would never be that, and I, I wouldn't fit into that box. I, I get really, really fired up and passionate about helping people heal those internal boss battles that happen in their head. Um, the stuff that they walk into the business with, and it's generally speaking, that's what really cripples a business owner or anyone that's, that's goal oriented or going for something. It's those things on the peripherals that they just don't know how to deal with or don't know how to identify. And that's what catches them off guard because running a business as this may be sort of controversial to say the actual day-to-day actions of it aren't that hard. Yeah, I, I would agree. Yeah. It's the other things going on in life that really make it difficult. So that's, that's my passion right now. And my purpose that I look at is like, I, I really want to skill myself up and make myself the, the individual that can be fit for service to serve other people, to help them heal through some of these internal boss battles they go through um, so that they can be successful and continue that for other people. That's so interesting. So um, when you say boss battles, that's the first time I've ever heard that term. Um, can you tell us what that exactly means? Yeah, for sure. So <laughs> I, I, I use these, uh, these kind of analogies of say like video game archetypes um, or even storytelling archetypes like the hero's journey mm-hmm. a lot of times to help bridge some of these, um, some of these concepts for the individuals that I work with. So the concept of like a boss battle, it's like you're going through life, you got these like little mini like qualms or fights or whatever it may be. And then there's this big demon at the end of the cave type of thing. Right. And that's like the, it might be an internal demon. It might be a physical challenge in your world. It may be an intellectual challenge or, or some, some achievement that you need to, to overcome. Um, but generally there's a big reward on the other side of it. So I use these archetypes of like storytelling um, or video games just to really bridge the gap between some of these things that people may be feeling um, internally or the way they view things and, and bring some more contextualization to it. That's a really cool way to put things. <laughs> That's awesome. So yeah, and I mean, a lot of my work in terms of when I'm helping someone um, have business success online through content marketing and through, um, you know, their, 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 the way that they show up to sell their business. A lot of the work that we do is the internal blocking um, usually tied into a dysregulation in the nervous system. So it's like, yes, we do a lot of copywriting. We do um, content marketing. We get your website really pretty. We make sure that people want to buy from you. But that's not the core of the work that I'm passionate about. I'm really passionate about helping people go through whatever is blocking them from showing up in that way in the first place. Because as you said, having a business, the day-to-day stuff, as long as you have like general knowledge and you know what you're doing in terms of the different platforms that you're using or, or you have experience and skill and education in your services, um, it's not that hard. It's what comes up between like now and when you can show up totally as yourself without any qualms, so to speak around it. So I really relate to that passion of helping people fight those boss battles. Yeah. No, I, I, I think it, I think we're, we're sort of on the same sort of wavelength with that, right? It's like there are people and you can, you can realistically learn how to, to run a business, but like through, through any online education, right? The, the actual day-to-day tasks of it. Yeah. Not rocket science. Um, it can be, 
at first glance, but yeah, the, the internal stuff, especially the stuff that you do around um, working people with like the nervous system. And that's just something I've scraped the surface on. I think it's fascinating. Um, but I ha- I'm not an expert in that by any means. So that's something I definitely at another time, I want to pick your brain a little bit more about that just to kind of fill my, my internal reservoir up a little bit more on how, how that even operates and what that looks like. So yeah, absolutely. I'd be glad to do that because, you know, if someone is having a hard time, um, doing any kind of business task, like let's say I'll do like a classic kind of mundane example around um, like putting a price on an offering, right? Or not undercharging, let's say, right? If someone is having like a difficult ongoing battle with that, there's most likely some nervous system wounding around, you know, being (laughs) rejected and not having proper attachment and it's coming up in the business where someone's like burnt out because they're undercharging and doing everything so that they don't, you know, give any kind of negative experience to anyone, but they're not connected to themselves. They're not connected to their work at that point. They're just trying to make sure that they're not going to be rejected or abandoned or have their safety threatened in any way. Right. So it's like, Oh, that's what it's about, <laughs> you know? And when that light bulb comes on, like that just like, I don't know, turns me on in some like professional setting. Like, you know, it just like really moves me. Totally. Yeah. It's like people are trying to hunt for that internal validation. Right. And, and I, I've been founded in my, my own other business efforts, uh, like starting up small online businesses to see if they work. And I'm, I'm like worried if, Hey, should I charge this much or, or how should I deliver this message? And, and all of these like internal dialogues that come up and it's like, Oh, what am I actually doing this for? Like, right. I'm just like, am I just hunting for validation right now? And then once I I've identified that with actually a few businesses of, of mine, I'm like, Oh man, that's my ego coming out. Like mm-hmm. I'm just doing this as for an ego play just to make myself feel a little bit better. This isn't what I actually want to do. And uh, yeah, just like close the doors and pivot on it. Right. So Isn't that so interesting, right? Um, So I had a question for you. Why do you think you care about helping other people fulfill their potential? Oh, wow. I've never been asked that before. (laughs) Why do I care? I, so, (laughs) yeah, okay, okay. I think I have a, I think I have a, a theory here. So when I was growing up, my, my mom, and, and we talked about this before, but as, as this is a very transparent, open channel, I will share fully mm-hmm. transparently here. Thank you. Uh, my mom, my mom uh, had, uh, had some her struggles with, with addiction, and, um, and she, she passed away from uh, just overuse of and, and bodily trauma, realistically, from using lorazepam. Um, and that was something that 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 was just ongoing and she was never really present. So I was always there to take care of stuff at home. And I think where I'm reaching towards is I just want to be that person to help someone else out. If they're ever in a spot similar to that, where they're trying to help everyone else in their life, but they don't have any guidance. So I'm trying to help them heal, be ready be, be standing guard for when they, they need to take action as well um, and really prepare them and scale them up to, uh, to be ready to take on those, those, yeah, not to overuse the term, but those boss battles that are going to come up being in that position. Um, so, cause I, I didn't have that person. Right. 
and I had to figure it out myself. So I think, I think that's, that's why I really care. That's why it's really important because there's not enough people that are doing that. Mm. I can really relate to that. And it's almost like, because you know, and you can tell me if there's more to this or if I'm off course, but it sounds like because you know the pain of not having that level of guidance and not having that level, whatever we could call it, caring, nurturing um, leadership in your own life, it's like you don't want other human beings to live that same kind of pain if you can do something about it. Totally. Yeah. And I, I, see, I see an opportunity to, to help and I, yeah, it would, it would be kind of hypocritical for me just to like see the opportunity and not do anything about it. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, That's cool. And um, in terms of like, oh, did you have anything else you wanted to share about that? Oh, we, knowing, knowing us, we could just go on total tangents here for days. <laughs> That's, that okay. Hmm. Uh, well, I just had a question because, um, and this is something I struggle with myself, um, kind of becoming the leader. Um, do you have any strong leadership um, mentors, I guess, that you can turn to now, even if you didn't have any growing up? And if so, can you tell us, actually just go from there and I'll ask the question after. Yeah, for sure. I, yeah, I, I look at this, at this as a couple, a couple different lenses, actually. So I have a few individuals in, in my life. Um, they're actually my, my coaches. So even in my role, like I, I have coaches above me as well. Um, if you Megan and Pratt and I, I look up to those two, like, like no other, they're incredible leaders, specifically Megan. Um, she, she is a absolute killer when it comes to just everything in her world's very, very disciplined, takes care of every relationship the best she can and is one of the most hardworking individuals that, that I've, that I've ever seen. Um, of course she still has her challenges for sure, but it's, uh, it's one thing that we, the three of us, I feel like we operate on a, a platform of lateral leadership. So it's not hierarchical. There's no, no one above each other, even though we all may have different experience timeline wise. Um, we all still have our strengths and we work together as a, as a core team to really provide a good experience for everyone in, uh, inside the company that we work with. Um, so those would be the physical, aspects of that another one would be i mentioned this individual before but uh aubrey marcus um i'm a huge fan of his podcast and, and that's it's it's weird to say that someone i guess it's more of like a role model leadership com- component but i've never met the individual in person but the amount of knowledge or or insight that has been shared through those podcasts um has been able to really help me to help other people as well so that would be a huge figure for me as well that's awesome. And um, was it odd to receive support at first from Megan and Pratt um, and to kind of, I don't know if you had to start to learn or relearn how to be able to count on other people. Um, but if you did, I'd love to hear your experience with that. Totally. So um, when I actually, I just started working with Megan and Pratt about two years ago. Um, but I've been involved in this line of work. Like I, I ran my own business and I had a business coach for five years prior to that experience. Um, and when I was, when I was starting out in my first year of running a business, I had no idea how to use a coach. I had no idea like how to take feedback, how to get feedback. I never asked for help. I always did everything myself because that's just what I was used to. 
And, uh, and that it honestly took me about four years to figure that out of just like thumping at the door. My coaches were very frustrated with me at times and, and I did have to learn. Um, and it, it took a lot of work to, to figure that out. And once it kind of broke the seal on, on that, uh, that level, it really opened up a lot of things for me. It was, uh, that was, that was, a, I can, I can actually look back and see how cold I was as a person because mm. I was so closed and, uh, I, I honestly wouldn't be, I wouldn't be a coach now if, if I wasn't able to work through that, um, that transition. Yeah. And it's almost vulnerable to accept help or to seek it out or to rely on it when you've had any kind of trauma that's made you have to um, either be the parent or be parentified in your childhood setting um, or having to take responsibility that may have not been your own, right? It's it's almost vulnerable to start accepting help um, because of what could potentially happen like what if there's a repeat or what if you know people can't meet your needs the way that you need to um, be met right what comes up for you in terms of that yeah it would have been I think a bit of a high two two components I I definitely had a, a difficulty trusting people so I I knew that I could take care of it myself okay. and I if I got advice from someone it's like ah is that the best advice or do I trust myself more right? Yeah. Okay. I see that perspective. Yeah. Yeah. Like a back and forth that I went through for a while and it it really came up with, um, and this is also the ego piece too, that, that has been, um, it would have been very present at that time. Um, where if I was getting coached by an individual who didn't run as large or as successful of a business as I would, I wouldn't take advice from that person because I didn't, I didn't see the value. I'm like, ah, like I've ran a bigger business. How can you give me advice on this? Right? Mm-hmm. So I would, I would just circle back to the inward view again and be like, ah, oh, you can figure it out, Nick. You figured out everything else before by yourself. Nobody else has helped you out. You don't need that. And just go right back to what you know. Right. And uh, it might take longer to, to get through, but you know, you can figure it out. And that was sort of the internal dialogue. Like that's what was coming up every time. Oh, that's interesting. So it's kind of like um, you valued your own guidance more than other people, probably because other people let you down so much. Exactly. Yeah. And you were the only person that you could truly count on. So it sounds like it's been like a journey Mm -hmm. to kind of relearn that you can trust other people. You know, I'm sure that you still trust yourself the most. Mm, Yeah, I think that it kind of comes back to like lateral leadership thing with. with Sure. Yeah right? Like we, I, I trust those individuals. Um, I kind of like look at like that Simon Sinek kind of idea, that circle of safety concept. I know 100% that those, those two, they have my back no matter what, like I don't even have to bat an eye. So that trust is very strong with those people, but that's taken time. Like that was a lot of work and a lot of risks. And on my end, or at least my internal end of being like, Hey, I'm going to trust you but please don't screw this up. Right. And they always came through every time and, and really built that trust up and they worked hard to build that up with me. Um, cause they knew that part of me as well. So that's, uh, that's really helped with, with opening up and, and also helped me work through that challenge with other people now that I, I can see a bit of a, a higher perspective on it. Right. Yeah. And were you upfront about, Hey, like I don't trust other people very well. I don't, 
totally. I, I tend to be a lone wolf in my work. Like you told them about that beforehand. Yeah, they, they knew that from my, my past, like seeing me develop through through the company, right? Um, okay. so they've always always been present with that and and uh, and they have, they just knew knew that was part of part of who I was and and one of the challenges they'd have to to work with with me. So that's amazing. Um, I love experiences and like successful experiences in which people heal in relationship, whether that's a personal work relationship or you know a little bit of both. So that's amazing to hear about. Cool. Um, you've mentioned the word ego a couple times, hmm. and. Um, you seem to have had a relationship with your ego that um, perhaps you've noticed wasn't working for you. And it seems like you've shifted out of, um, I don't actually know. So how, do, how about you tell us around, uh, how do you define ego and why did you feel like your ego was taking hold of your life in a negative way? And how have you moved through that? Totally. Yeah. So I, I've, uh, I, I do a lot of, a lot of study into I guess, the classical like Carl Jung work of like the ego and the shadow yeah. uh, and that that sort of concept I, I really I think it's applicable now is it 100% accurate man maybe not but it's, it's still a good tool to use so when I when I say the ego I, I really I am describing the the personality type of Nick that he would most like to be viewed as so the yeah, the high performer, the, the competition driven person, like the, someone that can just get shit done. Right. Um, and that, that can be motivated by, yeah, financial success or by business success or by achievements. Right. Um, but that's not like the true Nick. Um, the true Nick is the one that, that really cares about relationships and really finds enjoyment in, in silence and in peace and, and in those, those in-between moments with people. Um, but that's not the shiny version, right? The shiny version is the ego. And then of course there's the shadow where there's the negative tendencies, right? The ones that were pushed away, um, earlier on, generally speaking, the ones that that may be rooted in with, with trauma as well. And, uh, and that can come out in more of your, your negative, negative moments in your life. Right. Um, so that's, that's sort of like that, that breakdown back and forth. Now, how has it changed? Super fluid. Um, that would be, it's a really hard thing to define. I think it's just being like, nobody, nobody can get rid of the ego. Like I've had a few conversations with people where they're like, oh, like I'm going to, I'm going to work on myself and I'm going to kill the ego. It's like, no, you can't do that. It's still part of you. It's really just identifying where is your ego? What is it? And, and how does it, how does it twist your decision-making? How does it impact you in certain ways? And how do you use it for, for good, for your like higher self's purpose? Right. So if you identify these, these components of yourself where it's like, yeah, you know what? I am, a, I'm a competitive person. I like to win things. That's just who I am. Now that can either be a big negative impacting item on my, of my personality where I can, I can break down relationships because of that. I can, I can get frustrated with people because we didn't win something or my team's not performing it the, the way that I want to. And I need to change some stuff in my leadership to make sure that we produce more results or, I can use that competition drive of my ego to really help people in a better way. And it's really just the framework of how you use it. Right. And it's like how, how you perceive um, yourself on, on a couple different levels, kind of being the observer of, of your own personality. That's really, that's really fascinating. And I like the, the difference between how you relate to real Nick versus shiny Nick. Um, 
And I'm almost interested to know if you notice in the moment when you do step into more so of the shiny Nick role um, and how, if there are any ways that you kind of ground back into the real Nick who you described as like caring about relationships and the in-between with people, et cetera. Yeah, I think I think a big one was actually, um, I was out, out for dinner with a friend a couple, ah, it was about a month ago and uh we were just catching up and i i noticed that i made like three comments about like just work performance and like money and i was like oh god that's gross like why did i why am i talking about this i have this person doesn't care about that i don't care about that either it's just like my ego trying to come out to like impress this individual right mm-hmm. and and i'm like and i i just openly said i was like i was like hey um, I made a couple comments about like this stuff. I just like want to be a little transparent and vulnerable here and, and just share like why I said that it's just like me being nervous and me feeling like a bit of a lack of connection and, and trying to impress you with these types of things. So I, I apologize. And that's not, not what I really intended to say. And, and, uh, we, we can pivot the conversation from there. So I, I just like, yeah, it's like self-awareness piece of being like, wow, oh, you're doing it again, man. Like, got to watch that. And, and it's not beating yourself up for it, right? It's just like, all right, pause, be present. There it was. I noticed it. Now, like, forgive yourself. And it's like, hey, sorry, I love you, man. But you want to switch the conversation up a little bit here, right? Like that internal dialogue to, to, uh, to find a, a, a deeper connection with someone. And it's not going to come from superficial things, right? Yeah. I just love that mindset because it's – it's almost like, okay, I'm going to also choose to be honest and vulnerable, which will in turn actually give me what I'm looking for, which is connection. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And that's legit. That's amazing. I appreciate that. I, I think it, I think it's something that as it's, it's skill though, right? It's, it can be a habit that you just have to like check in and be like, okay, cool. Here it is. I think one thing whenever, and this is, this is something that I caught myself in multiple times before is when I would see myself diving into a bit of bit of like an ego trap right and and starting to speak the superficial languaging or whatever it may be and and yeah it can push people away at times um don't beat yourself up for it right like that that negative self-talk that comes out of it just being like if you're like oh you're being an idiot again like don't say that it's like wow it's like you're you made a mistake and that's fine it's like just give yourself a little bit of forgiveness a little bit of love and it really helps you just transition to that next piece right and and you want to be very conscious of that when when observing these things about yourself that sometimes we get caught in the the act of being like no you did it again that's bad it's like no you did it it's fine it's all good like let's just take the lesson from this like maybe how did this come up or what triggered that and then how do we change the conversation from here right and just give that self-forgiveness in that moment right because it comes usually from a hurt place right yeah for sure yeah yeah I love, I love all of that. I just, I enjoy how self-aware you are. That's great. So kind of moving into something that I'm wanting to talk about together here on the pod, um, how to cope in taking a different path than what society kind of lays out for us. Um, You and I are both dropouts, if people don't know, (laughs) um, who've happened to have for some reason, some success in work, even though we dropped out of schooling. So I dropped out of university and you dropped out of high school. Um, And 
it's interesting because I don't meet a lot of people who are entrepreneurs, who are successful entrepreneurs, um, who have dropped out of schooling, um, whether it was in the same exact way as, as I did in terms of traditional schooling. Um, and I just am very fascinated by that. And I want to talk about how you made that decision for yourself. Yes, you were pretty young when you made it. However, um, why you decided to make that decision for yourself and how you navigated or coped with, I don't know if it was hard for you, but coped with the fact that this is not how society tells you to live your life. I know for me, it was incredibly difficult to leave my psych program and to go do something different in terms of life coaching and in terms of somatic experiencing and being more so of an alternative practitioner than being a straight up psychologist. Um, Sometimes I still even battle with it to this day, I'm like, I should go back and do my master's and like do the things I was supposed to do and then have that little beautiful registered title beside my name. So I want to talk about like how to cope with the fact that society tells us to do things in a certain way in terms of having work success and why you didn't and then go from there. For sure. Yeah. So I, I definitely, definitely made that call when I was, I was younger and that, that really did come back to that rooting of like, I trust myself more than other people. Okay. Uh, noticed some like bad advice that I was getting like, Hey, Nick, you should do this. X, Y, Z should just go straight into the workforce. Like do, do something. I'm like, nah, like that's not what I want to do. Um, that's not, not my purpose. And by no means did I expect at that time to be, be running a business a year later from then or anything like that, or even where I am now that that's just not, I just knew that I wasn't, I wasn't fit to go into, yeah, like a long-term schooling career. The way I, I kind of view school is um, school is a tool. If, if it helps you bridge the gap between where you are and where you want to go. Awesome. If you want to become a surgeon, you should probably go to school. If you want to get into business, I don't know if you should go to school or not. Like I, that's, that's <laughs> the, the real, like that's a hard call to make, right? If you want to be an accountant, you should probably go to school, right? Those specialized careers. But if you, if you really identify for yourself, like, Hey, I love working with people like, okay, cool. Like, do you have to go to school? No, you don't. Now society is going to tell you to do that. But, um, my, my opinion on it is, and it, it, this may, may be a bit controversial, but, um, Trust yourself. The only person that you are currently taking care of in most senses, well, the person you need to take care of first is you. And uh, if other people are pushing back on you for that, it's generally because they're either scared or they're they're scared because you may be hurt by it in that decision, or they're scared because you're doing something they can't do and they're too scared to do it themselves. Right? The safe path that, that people want to wander down. But it's often that's not the path that's going to get you to where you should be. So Mm -hmm. looking at school is like, it's nothing more than a tool and, uh, and just really like taking the luster away from it. It's like, ah, okay, cool. Like a business administration program, probably actually, honestly, a business administration program. If you want to run your own business, you should, you should not go to school for business at all. You should go to school for something that you want to specialize in. What's your niche. Right. Right. Like, for example, I've, I have the same internal battle where actually I, I may be going back to school um, and finishing everything up because I want to get into the science of nutrition and, and because it's been incredibly impactful for myself and for other people around me. I love, I'm just a huge data nerd. So that might be something I actually do, but that'll help me bridge the gap. 
it's not because I want to go to school for the title. It's, uh, it's because it will help me become an expert in that field. Right. So for you, well, first of all, I think this de-dramatizes everything. Um, if you're just looking at it as school as a tool, yeah. right? Um, and I like how you even are bringing up the fact that you might go back to school and, mm-hmm. but because that would get you to where you want to go. Mm-hmm. So actually that's one of like the best advice I've heard around schooling. Um, that it's a tool. Did you get that from your own brain or did you borrow it from someone or maybe like two pieces? I'm going to own that one. That's, that's yeah. My, yeah, <laughs> cool. cool. <laughs> yeah, that's some great advice, right? And it's a great way to look at it um, because it de-dramatizes it. For me, when I decided to walk away from traditional schooling, um, my family had a lot of opinions, specifically my dad. Um, so for me, it was like taking on this risk and being so scared that I was making the wrong decisions. Um, But I could see that if I continued to be in school for something that I didn't actually want to complete um, because it wasn't going to get me to where I wanted to go, I was living out my plan B Mm -hmm. and almost kind of acting like my plan A had already failed and I hadn't even tried my plan A at that point. And I told myself, well, you know, if plan A fails and it fails miserably, well, you can always come back to school. You know, like there will always be this opportunity should you need it. Um, and it was safe in that way for me to walk away because I, I kind of rationalized it in the way of like, Emily, like stop living your plan B if you haven't even tried your plan A. So that for me speaks to me just in the sense of it is, it is just a tool. Is it going to get you to where you want to be? And if not, what can you do to get to where you want to be? Whether that's, you know, alternative methods of schooling instead of like the traditional, you know, path, undergrad, graduate, doctorate type of a situation. Absolutely. I, I love that perspective. Like it's, it's not, it's not giving up on that, that true purpose, right? And using, yeah, using the, this, I guess the social structure of, of like, yeah, you should go to school as, as a safety net, right? Like, okay, I'm young. I can go out. I can experiment. I can have fun. I can fail really, really hard. This is going to be scary. But worst case scenario, I can still go to school and still right. be successful. Like that's a, that's a great way of looking at it, right? And not, not using that, that first, yeah, like the safe path as your plan A, right? Make that your backup plan and like just really try and, and find out what, what it is for, for you that, that works. Yeah, and I don't know if I've ever told you this, but when I started my business, I gave myself a year and I said, I'm going to give it my all for this one year. And if it doesn't work, then I'll just go back to what I was doing. Like I'll just be where I am now anyway, but at cool. least I will have tried. And at the end of the first year, it worked. So I was like, okay, I'm going to do another year and like see what happens. And since then, I've just been like, it's been five years now where I've just been like piling on the years, I guess. (laughs) And at this point, it's just kind of like, oh, like still I will do this until it doesn't work. And then at that point, I can choose what I want to do if it happens, if that point ever occurs in my journey, right? So that's been super liberating for me. But that's what I kind of tell my clients if they're trying something new. I say dedicate to your, like dedicate a certain amount of time that you're comfortable with by giving it your all. And and like truly your all, not just like your half all, you know, like fully de- dedicated. And if it doesn't work, well, it doesn't work. And then you can make a plan from that point. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. 
Yeah, I think I think just like giving yourself that time. Well, it's like the timeline of success. Like we we often get rushed into the pressure of like, okay, like go to school, get your degree, get a house, do all these things. It's like it doesn't need to be like that, right? Yeah, give yourself that year to really, really push hard on something, and yeah, just see what happens, right? Fail fast and try again if you want to. So, mm-hmm. yeah, and actually, that's interesting. Like the whole traditional like trajectory on life do you think that you have those because because your work life has been kind of different than what society has suggested let's say um do you feel like you have a different viewpoint on everything else in terms of what what we could consider success like the house and the fence and the car and the wife and the kids or um do you feel like you look at those things completely differently as well I, uh, I still, yeah, that's, that's a good question. Like, I think it, it really de- it depends on like what, what fits your personal mold, right? Like for myself, I, yeah, like I would still like to have like the, the house and, and the, the nice car and all of these things, like it's just kind of rooting back to a bit of, a bit of the superficial piece. But what's really, really important for me is like, do I have like really good people around me? Mm. And do I know that every day like a, a one one measure of success for myself actually is that i attract and this is kind of like the data nerd component of me but I'll, I'll track each day that i wake up am i excited to help people cross off yes or no and then did i actually impact someone's life today and if the if the scale of like no's gets like more than the yeses then i know i need to change something Right. So it's never like a, f- a fixed model of what my world looks like, but I've, I know if I'm always filling up my, my tanks with, with what I'm doing in my day to day, um, that, that I'm going to be okay. And that, and that's fine in my, in my world. So, um, I think success is, is really like a, a personal definition for you. I, I look at it through creativity and how you impact other people. It doesn't matter if you have a house or a car or anything like that at the end of the day, because you see, like, I I love using the stereotype of the, the rich guy who has tons of money, has a nice boat, has the cottage up in Muskoka, all of these things, but hates his day-to-day life, has horrible relationships with his family, gets stressed out, has like chronic illness because of like chronic stress and, and then ends up like popping a heart attack at like 55 years old because he just couldn't, figure out the the nuances of life right sure he had stereotypical success but that doesn't mean anything towards happiness right right and i also loved for our american listeners um nick just painted a very canadian um dream about the muskoka cottage which i guess could be a um similar representation of things like the hamptons and nantucket and uh santa barbara things like that so yeah, that really, I'm sure will speak to a lot of people. Um, it's hard though to, so here's my take on that before we get into questions. Um, I am a stability, stability seeker and I look for stability in things. Um, and sometimes it's hard to find stability in relationships because people are ever changing. And sometimes I wonder if our tendency to go for the things and the looks or whatever it might be if it's just our need for stability that comes out in an egotistical way um 
because we've been wounded around relationships and we can't make relationships um, our priority because we feel like it's not worth it. So we put our energy in uh, to other things. What's your take on that? Yeah, I think you, I agree with that that concept. I think there there is there is it, it does come down to personal preference for people as well. But uh, but of course, if you're if you're not feeling comfortable in like 100% rock steady with with yourself or with someone else or wherever it may be, you're going to try and fill that gap with with something you can control, right? And yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You can control the the house or you can control the income. Those are those are tactical like problem solves, right? They're not like the fluid nuances of like like standing on a paddleboard and everything's moving at at one time type of thing. So. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's math, right. And math is for the brain to understand. So, um, relationships aren't math. Those are hard. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you said a comment around, you know, you just want to have really good people around you. What is a measure of a good person for you to have around and to have in your people circle? Mm. How do you, how do you pick your people? Yeah. I, I value loyalty like a lot, like, like team for the team type of concept. So, uh, so if, if, if I can trust the people around me and I know, and I know they're like very loyal, um, that, that makes me, makes me really, really comfortable. I think the other component would be, um, people that are willing to serve, just act in service. If I'm around people who act in service all the time, um, I'm good. Like everything. Love that. Um, I'm similar to you in that way. All right. Anything else you want to share before I start asking you listener questions? Um, I don't know. We we had some good some good topics there, eh? We there's like <laughs> good little navigation of things. I'm uh I'm excited to listen back to this actually. <laughs> well, I can take notes, but that's um, good. Good. I'm I'm good. I'm good. Let's do some listener questions. Okay, cool. So um I joked on Instagram, um <laughs> saying that uh, I was opening up a question poll for Nick Clement here because um, he was going to come on the podcast and talk about my sleepover habits and um, how I make smoothies at 2 a.m. in the morning. And someone asked, um, did she at least clean the blender? So do you want to answer that question? <laughs> I don't know. Define, like, I guess eventually you cleaned the blender. <laughs> like, was the blender clean beforehand? debatable but uh, (laughs) did it sit on the counter afterwards for a little while yes it did definitely how did you feel about that by the way like were you just like from my perspective I felt like you were kind of like go with the flow like this is just who she is but inside were you kind of like what the fuck is happening oh no I was fine I was like I was like no this is great like you do you I'm glad you know this about yourself and that that you can you can just hammer out a smoothie (laughs) or whatever it may be um, yeah. <laughs> I kind of wanted some of that smoothie, but that's, I wasn't going to ask at that point. Well, you should have. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm going to owe you a smoothie. Okay. Well, first question, that was that. Okay. So now into more of like the serious questions. Just one person wanted to play with us. That's it. We don't have that many jokesters. <laughs> um, okay. So um, 
we have a question around how to best handle when your boss is asking you to do things that you feel uncomfortable with. And this person clarifies it has nothing to do with like crossing physical boundaries or sexual boundaries in that way. It's just kind of asking more so than what you're being paid for. How do you set a boundary there? How do you start to, um, she put it in the way, like regain your power at work. <laughs> um, so I'll let you speak to that. What's, what's your take on that? Yeah. So a couple different perspectives. Um, there, there is a way to, to shift your, your current work perspective um, by this, this concept of like leading up and down the chain of command. So generally speaking, we look at leadership as leading down the chain of command. Um, but sometimes you need to lead up the chain of command as well. And that would be leading your leader or sharing a perspective with them or, or how you're feeling. And I, I honestly think it does have to come down to an open, open conversation about the situation and, and identifying because what what's happening in that, in that period, it's a, it, it's a miscommunication of expectations. Like that is the, that is the root problem of, of the feeling. So if the, if the individual who is being asked a certain, certain task, doesn't feel like that is is appropriate it just hasn't been talked about and now some people will find that very difficult myself i hate conflict so that's something that's really hard for me to bring up with with people but it does come down to um an assertiveness where you're balancing both the other person's needs and your needs in that situation and having the open conversation with it one tactic that i that i was because this comes up a lot with uh with the business owners that i work with as well um, and how to negotiate these things is write down all of the things that you're feeling like those needs that aren't being met because of it. And also like how you could potentially pivot that situation so that those could be met and just come into the conversation with low emotion, pretty much read off the list and, uh, and contract it as, as, Hey, here's the end goal in mind. I want to find a solution for this. Like I, I value this relationship. I value this, this employment opportunity, but I need something to change here. Um, and using that end goal in mind to then help both people navigate through these lists of unmet needs or potentially conflicts in, involved in that situation um, becomes a lot easier, a lot, a lot more of a roadmap to, to solving that, that situation. That's a really, it's really actionable. So I hope that really helps that listener. I'm sure that it will. Um, Next question is around work-life balance. How do you start when you know that most of your life is just complete work and there's not a lot of balance, the person said. <laughs> Define work. Mm. That's very interesting because I don't know this person and what they do in terms of their employment or if they're self-employed. They're just speaking to feeling like they're working all of the time and they – don't have any fun or pleasure in their day to day as well. Yeah, that's, uh, I, I used to fall into that, that trap, um, a lot. It would be my, myself, um, would like my, my change would be like, I don't define my work as work. Like I just do what I do and it just totally changes it. Like work-life balance doesn't exist for me because mm. I do my life. Um, and, and I, I take the time that I need and I, build the relationships that I want. And, and I have a lot of flexibility. Now it's a very unique scenario. Not a lot of people have that. That's okay. Now for the actionable piece on that, if you got some lack of work-life balance, I would look directly at personal habits, right? Like how are you using your off time? 
are you, do you have a live time or dead time, right? Like what's your commute to work look like? Are you listening to like an audiobook or a podcast? Or are you just listening to the radio or how can you use that time to be a bit mindful? Like practice some, some active mindfulness, right? Like just enjoy the commute and, and look at the things outside the windows and practice some breathing techniques and, and really connect with yourself on that level? Or what are you doing at home? Like get the get the time tracker on your iPhone and see how many hours you're logging on Instagram a week, right? Um, that's a big one for me. I'll say 12 hours a week is a bit much on my end. I know some people that have a higher, higher score. Yeah, looking at one right now. <laughs> that's the thing, is that a difference between a live and dead time. So when we feel this lack of like work-life balance, okay, the life component, how are you using that time? Like when's the last time you went out and played, right? Like, or had fun, like, and actively tried to do that, right? So um, there are scenarios where people do go through times of imbalance and that's, that's life. In order to find balance, you need to go through times of extreme imbalance in the first place, but it's kind of swinging the pendulum back to the middle a little bit, right? And be like, oh yeah, there's the nice part. And then I'm going to swing it to the hard side again. And then I'll come back here to normal again. And then maybe super relaxed for a bit and then try to try to negotiate those, but you need to track it. You need to be aware of what you're doing on a day-to-day basis and try to turn more dead time into a live time. Love that. Um, and I guess I'm going to like fusion two questions kind of as just a follow-up here. Um, cause you, you did bring up like define work, right? So someone asked, how do you find work you love? And it was interesting that your first take on work-life balance was essentially like, well, do you like your work? You know? Um, I know you didn't say that directly, but that's kind of the energy that I was feeling underneath. Um, so do you want to speak to that? How to find work that, um, is that you're passionate about, I guess we could say it plainly. Yeah. Um, I, it's hard. That's like probably one of the hardest things in life to identify. Um, I got lucky for sure. I think, I think I can maybe speak for you. You kind of got, got gifted with that one as well. It was a pretty quick journey for you. So, um, that, uh, a lot of people go through it like their entire life and not, not find it. Right. And, and what I think is, uh, I think is really important is just being okay with trying new stuff, right? Like there are lots of actionable tang- tangible things that you can do. It's like, Hey, maybe go, go travel for a year and try and find out what you like, but just like take action on the stuff that you like. Like if you, you know yourself better than anyone else, like for myself, like I know that when I was growing up that I always liked to be creative. I was always creating things and, and I was always helping my dad and I always helped out as much as I could with anything like that. And then I, I found out those were like really core components of what I needed in my life. So if I know I need to be able to help people and impact people and be creative and kind of be a fixer for stuff, I could do really anything as long as those needs are being met. Right. Um, that's, that's sort of my perspective on it. And I, I'll probably work in multiple different types of roles with, with that. Right. But, um, but yeah, that's, that's sort of my piece on it. You just need to experiment and try stuff. And I like how you're coming up with the whole needs conversation, right? Like, what are your needs as a human being? Like, what, you know, like you said, create creativity and, and, and doing things and building things. Like, that was important for you. Um, yeah. If you don't know your needs in terms of what fulfills you, because it is going to be different person to person on so many yeah. different because of so many different things such like as cognitive processing you could even look at your birth chart and get some insight on that right like so if you don't know your psychological needs i find it very hard to try to 
try to fit into a job that works for you or to create a job that works for you. Would you agree, Nick? Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. I think, I think even uh, just like the self-education piece of like, what are your needs is a fascinating topic as well, right? Like if you're not yeah. taught stuff in school and it's yeah. hard to figure it out. So a couple, just to plug another, um, another helpful thing. So there's a lecture on, on audible.com. It's called um, nonviolent communication. I think the thumbnail is like a big thumbs up. Um, and it talks all about like communicating nonviolently through your needs. It's a really good practice on, on how to identify some of those things. So if anyone wants to kind of do some more self-education on that point, that's a big one there. Awesome. Um, and then the last question is around relationship and work that we'll cover today, at least. Um, this person is writing about how their work kind of takes them away from their dating life. And I guess it is kind of a little bit of a balance question, like how do you balance both? But um, more so like, I want to be dating, I want to meet the one, but my work has been my passion mm. for the past decade. And I don't know how to merge both. Mm -hmm. Yep, I've been there before, big time. Um, I, I think my when I was running my business, that was like a burn and churn of relationships. Um, it was, it was definitely painful. Definitely. It's definitely difficult to, to work through that, that balance. That, let me just kind of can, can gather my thoughts here a little bit because something that, that, yeah, I'm still currently working on trying to figure out myself as well. Um, Passion for work is is going to take up a big part of your life. Um, and and I, I don't like using the word work, but I like switching it to like your craft. So if you're working on something that's really meaningful to you, this is like your your purpose, um, it should take up a lot of your life because that's what you're you're here to do. And um, there's also the other component of like you need to have good relationships there. Now, one critical thing to identify is whether you are – just trying to fill a separate void with that relationship or you actually need it. Um, and that, that I think is a, a really important question to identify first because if you're just trying to fill a void um, and you may have that, so that like lack of connection piece there with, with another relationship um, it's not going to work. You're not going to find time. But what I've found that does help is when, you find someone who is also has a high level of passion for something also is very understanding. And when, when things flow with that person, um, it gets a lot easier. You might not see each other a lot, right. Depending on certain circumstances or, or whatnot, but you know that you can make it work. And, uh, and relationships are one of the, I think like a, especially a romantic relationship is incredibly challenging. It requires a ton of work. It's never going to be easy um, until you make it easy, and uh, you need to you need to really, really focus on on that internal development for yourself before you you'll be able to to make that that work because it it comes down to your your self care and your self work that you've done prior to which, and if you you haven't done that yet and you haven't identified what's what's important yet, then um, you might still just have some more exploring to do. Mm. So like to this person, you would suggest to do some inner work mm -hmm. on, would you say developing? Yeah, like it's it's tough, right? Because I, I just don't know the person. So it's really hard <laughs> to like record. I'm trying to keep stuff super blanketed, right? Yeah. 
Totally. But how about like in your own experience um, with work, how have you made time for dating or for romantic relationships? And do you feel like it's had, it's, I guess I'm wondering, like, would you suggest to make a conscious effort to making room for it in your life? Or do you feel like when you're ready, and this is totally your opinion, I'm not saying this is right or wrong, it's just like your take on things. Um, or do you think when you're ready, things will flow? Yeah, like, I think there's two pieces. I think you do need to make a conscious effort towards it, right? But we can, like, I, I like using this analogy of like, say, you're busy with work, like, let's, let's go with a 80 hour work week, right? You're working twice as much as someone else, you got 168 hours in a week. And we just subtract out 80 hours and then say 52 for sleep. If you have good sleeping habits, you got 36 hours left over. Right. So then we look at like kind of more of a tactical problem of how are you using the rest of your time? Right. And are, do you have a live time? Do you have dead time? Right. In your, in your world, are you just sitting there on Instagram for four or five hours a week? And could you have used that like by building a better relationship with someone else? Mm-hmm. Maybe. Right. Um, maybe you just, yeah, you just chose to use your, use your time in a, in a poor way that week and you got caught up with some more other things. This example still leaves like almost a full time, like allotment of, of time to do other things in your world. Right. So sometimes the, if we're talking about like a lack of time component, I think it comes down to a lack of priority management. Um, Oh, I agree. And that's what I was wanting to like pick your brain on. Got it. I actually was just looking for the thing that I wanted to hear, but let's be real. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> on the head. yeah um yeah i i feel like it needs to be a priority and you will make what is important to you a priority and cool. i think um when you're in a really supportive partnership and that's different than dating i understand that dating can be really exhausting until you meet someone who really um matches with you for the person I'm I guess talking to the person who asked this question specifically but to anybody else who resonates with it it might be helpful too um but a solid partnership in which your needs are met and you can meet the needs of another person can actually make you even better in your work um so at that point I would say it's priority management it's not necessarily like lack of time and also like you may have to visit um why you work so much that you don't have um some time for pleasure and fun and connection and and actually if if you're kind of like a like i know like a productivity hack kind of person um sometimes having a solid partnership makes you more productive in your work so you might like to look at it that way totally yeah, I, I've noticed that, in fact, with people that flow really well with me, where I know I, I'm going to make time for this person later on in my week. Um, so I got to really buckle down and grind and make sure that I like get my shit done by this time um, so that I can spend that time with that person. It's just a huge motivator for me to, to really push through some things. So it's been like right. a couple weeks in my world. I've just been, as I mentioned, it, me being super busy. I'm just getting a lot of a lot of shit done so that I can spend that time with uh, with individuals in the future here. So cool, that's beautiful. So Nick Clement, um, I like how I was Emily Obey thirteen back in the day, and you were Nick Clement thirteen, and now we are no longer those people. Yeah. How did you enjoy this conversation? Is there um, anything that you want to leave the listeners with a nugget of wisdom before we hop off today? No, this was uh, this was great. This is good. Uh, this is my first podcast. So I hope 
well. <laughs> I don't know. I have no frame of reference to go off of. But anyhow, I think it was good. This was really, uh, it was really nice to connect again, Emily. And uh, yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for the time. And hopefully, uh, hopefully can impact some people with this conversation. Um, but yeah, just a, a little bit of uh, like final notes. I think, uh, yeah, just take care of yourself. Um, look inward, do the, do the self work would be the first component and, uh, and everything else comes after that. So. Awesome. And if people want to find you after listening to this episode and loving it, where can they do so? They can find me mostly on Instagram. So I am a business coach NC on Instagram there. And I'll have a new one coming out here. I'm working on a bit of a side project, working on more like health and uh, wellness coaching. So that if you follow me on that, you'll see, see the plugs, you'll see the, uh, the things from my new thing, Origin. Um, oh, I just debuted it. This is the first time oh, I've talked about it. Look at you. So yeah, Origins is going to be my new thing coming up. So you'll probably see some stuff around that as well. Yeah, so we'll have you back on to talk about that. So thank you so much for being here today. If you love this podcast, please subscribe to it. That is the number one way to get it out there in the world so that more people can listen, be inspired, feel connected to themselves, to each other, and to the world that we're living in. Thanks so much. I was your host, Emily Obey, and I'll talk to you soon.